teach this message today together. She might sit down some, I might sit down some. It's about 30 minutes that we're going to share with you. But I want to say that over the last 25 years, uh, Diane, uh, and I'll wait till they're done receiving the offering. I want everybody to be able to hear what I want to tell you. Amen. Anybody know what amen means? So be it. So be it, yeah. So anyway, I want to tell you, you know, 25 years ago today, we went up to the Falcon Room and we started this church. And, uh, uh, and God's done a lot of good things over the last 25 years and he's, uh, he, he's helped a lot of people, he's healed a lot of people. And, uh, and we started with nothing from scratch. Nobody backing us or anything except God. We had very, almost nothing. And, uh, and so over 25 years, here we stand. And I still remember the first service up there. I think you put a picture of it up on Facebook. And uh, we, looked, we looked different back then. And uh, you, had, you had more hair. My granddaughter said to her mom, Mom, why does Grandma have such big hair? Well, and when I say more hair, it was fixed different. It was, it was, it was back in the perm days. Yeah, back in the perm days. That's what I meant by that. And I had more hair too, but it wasn't my own. It was that silly looking hair piece. How many is glad I got rid of that silly looking thing? And I lost, I got rid of about 60 pounds and that silly looking hair piece. And uh, so I, I think we look better today than we, well, I look better today than I did then, but you've always been beautiful and pretty. So, but I want to tell you that over the last 25 years, uh, next to tr- hopefully pleasing the Lord, the best thing about it for me has been that I've got to do it with you. I feel the same way about you. I got to do it with you. That's the most important thing to me, is that I got to do it with you. Amen. I love you. I love you too. I love you. So anyway, we're going to... Uh, uh, Just say this, we started 25 years ago today at Rockwood Summit High School. How many of you know where that is? It's just a mile or two up the road here. And we met there for four years and then we bought this property and we built this church. And in the past on anniversaries, and we don't celebrate, you know, our anniversary every year just like on the fives and the tens. And so this, I think this is a good one to celebrate and say some things, but, uh, uh, in the past, when we'd mention the anniversary, we would reminisce about the past and we'd show pictures and all of that. But uh, this, this time, on this 25th anniversary, uh, the Lord doesn't want us to reminisce about the past. You know, thank God for the past, but the past is the past and it's gone by. And much we can learn from the past, but we shouldn't live in the past. And so what He wants us to do Today, what the Lord wants Diane and I to do today, we, we feel this in our hearts, is not to reminisce on the past, but to share the fresh vision He's given us for the future of this church. So let's do that. What do you say? What do you say? We all, we all need vision. We all need, you know. And so we, we, we certainly had a vision in the past, but I, the Lord's freshened it up. And so we're going to take a little bit, just a little bit of time and share the fresh vision that He's given us. And uh, it's important that you listen. It's important that we all grab a hold of this and do what it says. And, uh, and, and uh, we'll be better off and we'll be able to help more people. 
I firmly believe that if we'll do what the Spirit of God is saying to do here, that this church can accomplish more in the next five years than we've accomplished in the last 25 years put together. But it's going to take faith. You're going to have to have faith. What have, we, what have we been teaching on? on? We've been teaching on faith. I don't think it's any coincidence that God's had us teaching on faith. And I'm not going to continue the series today, obviously. I'll pick up next week. I think we're going to talk about Samson and how he used his faith. And we can learn so much from him. But, but if we'll all grab a hold of this vision and, and be active participants in it, I'm confident that God can do more in the next five years with this church than he's done in the last 25 years all put together. Now if we don't all, now, if we don't all have faith and we don't get in there and, and, and do what we're going to share with you, then, then, uh, then that won't happen. But, but I believe God wants good things. How about you? Amen. So let's listen here. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one is be ambassadors. Be ambassadors. Now, what is an ambassador? Well, just reading, I, I got this out of the dictionary. It's an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. It's a person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specified activity. Uh, and we'll see, we're ambassadors. And God has a gospel. And it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's up to us to spread that gospel. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Go there with me if you would. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Notice what the Bible says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us. Now notice this. Watch this here. He's, the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is speaking not just to preachers. He's speaking to the church, to all believers. Now notice, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us have a ministry. And it's the, it's, you know, yeah, well, you have ministries within churches. There's a helps ministry and there's a worship ministry and there's a sound ministry and there's the ushers and the door greeters. But, but there's a more important ministry that we all have than those things, as important as those are. And it's this one right here. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Notice verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us, notice, the word of reconciliation. I mean, what does it mean to reconcile? Well, two parties are at odds. And then when you get them back together, what, is, what are you doing? You are what? Reconciling. And see, when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, the entire human race was cut off from the life of God. And Jesus Christ came to reconcile man with God. And bring us back together with him. And so notice, we all have a ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. And we all have a word. What is that word? It's a word of reconciliation. Notice verse 20. Now then, we are what? What are we? We are what? Ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're, we're accredited dip, diplomats. Accredited diplomats. See, the Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We have heavenly citizenship. 
we're ambassadors. The Bible says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we're sent here, and we're here at the direction of God as diplomats, sent by God as his representative to promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ here in the earth. Notice, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now watch this, as though God were pleading through us. Notice, God pleads with the sinner through us. And what does he plead? We implore you, speaking to a sinner, on Christ's behalf, be what? Be reconciled to God. For he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, the Son, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So notice, we all have a ministry, we all have a word, and we all have a title, don't we? What's the title? The title is ambassador. The ministry and the word is a ministry and word of what? Reconciliation. And what are we supposed to go out and plead with the world that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself? Now, you need to realize just because Jesus paid the price for salvation does not mean everyone is saved. You, you have to realize that. Just because he paid the price on Calvary's cross and shed his holy blood and died and then was raised from the dead on the third day, just because he did that, and he did that to reconcile the world to himself, but just because he did that does not mean everyone is saved. You see, there's sinners out there, people that have never heard the gospel, and they must be told the gospel. They must be preached to. They must be pleaded with, and that's our job to do it, and to tell them, hey, Jesus, he, 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 he paid the price, and we need to preach that to them and, and share that with them so that they come to understand they must receive him. See, salvation must be received. And I like what Romans 10.14 says. Notice this, Romans 10.14, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? You see, that's you and me. As believers, we must go out and plead with the lost and tell them about Jesus so that they can hear about Him and repent of their sins and believe on Him and receive Him and get saved. Think about this. If the apostles had not told others about Jesus, the gospel would have died in Jerusalem. Think about that. If the apostles had not told others about Jesus, the gospel would have died in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Is that right? And, and, and we're all saved here today if we've received Jesus as our, as our Savior and our Lord, if we've placed our trust in Him. We're all saved because of the apostles' word, aren't we? Is that right? I mean, we're saved because of what Jesus did, but we heard about it through the apostles and then, and then and they told others and then those people told others and those people told others and, the, and 2,000 years has come and gone and we have the holy word of God, but the word has come to us and, and I'm so glad one day I, I heard a minister on television preaching the gospel and, 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 and I received Jesus. Isn't, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And actually, that was in conjunction with 
my attendance in, in, in a good Baptist church and I heard the gospel there and, and I got saved. But it was from people caring enough to go tell others about the Lord. And that's the first point of our vision. We have to be ambassadors like we've never been before. We all need to be ambassadors like we've never been before. Listen to this. We must continue sharing the gospel through our lifestyles. How many of you know you can speak more through your lifestyle really than you can through your words? Because if your lifestyle doesn't match your words, people will deem you as a hypocrite. Is that right? And then your words are meaningless to, to that person. Is that right? So we must continue sharing the gospel through our lifestyles, through our voice, any manner of outreach, certainly, through the tracks. Did you all get your track when you came in today? If you didn't, get one before you leave. Hand these out every week. You can hand more than one out, but at least hand one out or put it in some strategic place. That's our number one job, is to be ambassadors for Christ, to tell others about Jesus. The number one job, most important thing that we can do. And so we do that, and of course, remember what the Spirit of God was saying to us at the beginning of the year, is that we need to do more as a church on social media. Because see, when we started the church 25 years ago, if you wanted to get the gospel out into the community you had to pretty well go door to door and knock on doors or, and there's nothing wrong with that, that's good, we, we, that's wonderful. And, uh, or send mailings out or this or that. But, but it's so much easier really today than it has ever been because of the social media. Now I know a lot of bad stuff goes on on social media, but just because there's bad stuff goes on, it doesn't mean that there can't be good stuff goes on. How many of you know there's a lot of good stuff goes on? You know, it was like on television. Television, you know, television, I believe, was given uh, for the gospel to go out, you know. And a lot of bad things go, go off on television, and that's unfortunate. But just because there's some bad things doesn't mean that we can't, you know, u- use things and take advantage of things for the good. So we need to all be more, including myself, we all need to be more active on social media. Uh, I believe we have, we have something good here at Summit Church. I believe we have, we have the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ is being preached every week here from this pulpit. The healing power of God is, is, is here for people. And uh, uh, we've got much to offer. And we can, we're here to help people, okay? And so let's do more along these lines, especially with, with, with social media. Certainly any outreach is good. Knocking door to door, that's wonderful. That's fantastic. But can you see, uh, what do you think is easier? What do you think is easier, going door to door and knocking or clicking your mouse from the privacy of your home or on your phone? Which is easier? Which is easier? I think clicking a mouse is easier, right? But why can't we do all of it? We can do all of it. But, but let's, let's all catch a hold of this and be ambassadors and let's do more on social media than what, what, what we've done up to now and, and let folks know we're here. And, and if you had a good restaurant out there, what would you do? You might go on social media and tell People, hey, I went to this restaurant. It was the best thing I've ever been to, you know. And that makes other folk hungry for it. Is that right? And so, so what if we did the same thing with, uh, I mean, if we're going to do that with natural food, how many of you know we've got some good spiritual food here, you know. 
It's not because of me. It's just it's because of the Word of God and, and God's given me the gift to teach. And so we got some good stuff here for folks. So get out there and let them know. And, and, and we are what? Realize, say, I am, I am. an ambassador, ambassador for Christ. Christ. Say, I am, I am. an ambassador, ambassador for Christ. So what's the first point of the vision? Be what? Be ambassadors. Now, we're going to keep this up in front of you, okay? All right, as we go on here down the road, be ambassadors. How many of you think that's a good number one point? All right, now my wife is going to share the number two point. Okay, it's already up, so be worshipers. Can you say that with me? Be Be worshipers. worshipers. Our vision is for the people um, who attend here, for us all to live a lifestyle of worship Every moment of every day, not just 30 minutes on Sunday morning. Uh, worship, if all we do is worship on Sunday morning, we're not worshipers. Worship is everything we do every moment of every day. Let's turn to Romans 12.1 in the Amplified Classic. Romans 12.1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So that's what real Bible worship is. It's what we're doing 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. It's what we're doing when we get stuck in traffic. It's what we're doing when we're on the computer, watching TV, uh, it's, it's what's going on in our thought life, how we treat our spouse, how we, how we act at work. That is worship. So as we, as we think about worship, we, you know, a lot of times I think about the Lord's prayer and he prayed, Jesus told us to pray, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we also want to worship here on earth the way that worship is done in heaven. That's what Jesus told us to pray, isn't it? Can you imagine that, that we can worship like they are in heaven? Let's look at worship in heaven. Revelation 7, verse 9 in NIV. Revelation 7, verse 9. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So some things we see about worship in heaven is, first of all, worship in heaven is loud. It is loud. It's full of passion because it's so wholehearted. People just sing out with their whole hearts loud and energetic and excited about the Lord. Another thing that we find about worship in heaven is that everybody participates. You know, here on earth, sometimes we hear, well, I I don't like that song, or I don't like that style, or I, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, hear, hear a lot of different things. But you don't hear that in heaven. In heaven, everybody participates because everyone is so in love with the Lord. There's total and complete unity with the worship in heaven. And the third thing we find about worship in heaven is that it's demonstrative. You know, uh, it's not like, it's demonstrative. 
the worshipers in heaven, and we see in the scripture, they're always doing something. And throughout the book of Revelation, when it talks about worship in heaven, they're always doing something. In this scripture, they're waving palm branches. They're falling down before the Lord. They're casting crowns before the Lord. Uh, some of the things that we see in scripture as far as worship and what people do, and the, the most common thing that we think of is singing, right? Well, there's lots of other things. In the Bible, speaking, can worship in silence, dancing, kneeling, leaping with instruments, shouting, lifting hands, bowing, falling down, living holy as we read as worship, our giving is worship, and part of uh, worship is doing good deeds. So those are all ways that we can express worship, that we can be worshipers. Let's put up that be worshipers. Let's remember that. Keep those things up there when we're talking about them so it reinforces what we're talking about. Um, a lot of times we have to stir ourselves up to worship. You know, we think about everything that's going on in, in our day-to-day life and, you know, things that pull us down and things that preoccupy us. So when you're uh, not worshiping, when you're not uh, feeling it, <laughs> We have to renew our sense of the awe of God and how wonderful he is. So let me just say a few things to you. Just remind you a few wonderful things about God. Our God is a consuming fire. He's the creator. All of heaven worships him. We worship him because he is God, because he is worthy. We worship him for his love and faithfulness, for his greatness, for his salvation, for his forgiveness. Um, for his mighty deeds, for all of creation, because he is holy. We worship him for his power, and we worship him for his miracles that we're so thankful for. Let's turn to Hebrews 15, uh, 13, verse 15. Hebrews 13, verse 15. I want everything in my life to be worship, and I want you all, this whole church, everything about this church and the people of this church to be worship. And you know, when that happens, we will be the light of the world. No doubt about it. We will shine so bright. It says, through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So you can see your actions have a lot to do with your worship and doing good to people. Now, Pastor Terry's going to share. All right, so what was the first point? Be what? Be ambassadors. What's the second point? Be worshipers. Now, the third point is bring the sick. Bring the sick. Now, God has given us an anointing here to heal the sick, a special anointing to heal the sick. Now, he told me this when I was uh, in my uh, late teens. He, he very supernaturally spoke, spoke to me and said that there'd be a special anointing on me to heal the sick. Now, I can't heal anybody. Jesus is the healer. And he said it'd be by the multitudes. And I thought, my gosh, you know, it's important we don't put our own interpretation on what God says. And so I was thinking, you know, get, a, get multitudes healed all at one time. But over the years, 25 plus years now, we have seen so many people healed 
in his church of all kinds of things. And uh, if you add them up, three here, three people heal here, two people heal there, eight people heal there, seven people heal there, five people heal here. You know, this service, two people heal, one person heal here, eight people heal here, 12 people heal there. You add them up over 25 years, what do you start getting into? Huh? You get into what? Multitudes. And, uh, and so we've seen, and I could stand up here for hours and recount with you all the people that God has healed here supernaturally. Has everybody gotten healed? No. I'm in good company though. Jesus didn't get everybody healed, did he? Did he? No. No, he didn't. You know. They're in his hometown. The Bible says he could there do no mighty work. Is that right? Because of their doubt and unbelief. Is that, is that correct? And so, uh, we've seen so many people heal, though, by the power of God. And, uh, and over the last several years now, I've noticed the uh, power of God for healing has waned in, in, the, in the church. You know what I mean when I say waned? Huh? What does that mean? That means it, it lasts and less and less and less. And, and it, it's very clear why that is. See, you all who attend here regularly, you've been taught the word of faith. We've taught you the Bible. We've taught you how to receive your healing by faith. You understand that? And so the gifts of the Spirit here, uh, I'm just telling you, as I've watched this, now, now thank God we can pray for anybody, certainly. But, but, but you see, if sickness hits your body... It's not really so much for you to come here and me lay hands on you. We can certainly do that. But you see, you who've learned the word, you need to stand up on your own faith and receive it directly for yourself. Did you hear what I just said? Did you get what I just said? Did you or didn't you? The healing power that's here on this ministry is for primarily for people out there in the community that don't know what you know. Did you hear what I just said? They don't know what you know. And uh, they, they, they may not even be saved. You understand God will heal a lost person just as fast as he'll heal anybody else. And, and, and so they don't know what you know about the Bible. They don't know what you know about faith. They don't know how to receive from the Lord. So that's one of the reasons we're here for them to come and we can, can flow in that healing anointing, that healing anointing that's waned. See, God doesn't want it to lay dormant. It's, it's laid primarily dormant now for years. He wants to stir that back up and get that flowing again. Can you say amen? amen. But here's the thing. It's not going to happen by accident. You're going to have to do something. Now, unfortunately, that's where you lose a lot of people when you tell folks they're going to have to do something. You're going to have to do what? Bring the... You're going to have to do what? You're going to have to bring the sick. Notice if you would, let's read very quickly some verses here. Matthew 4.24, they'll be on the screen. Matthew 4.24, now watch this. Then his Jesus fame went throughout all Syria and they brought... Realize, say they brought... They brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. You need to realize Jesus' ministry, Jesus' ministry of healing wouldn't have been what it was 
I mean, if, if the sick people hadn't have been present for him to heal, is that right? Is, is that correct? All that power there, and, and, and if the sick aren't there, I mean, they brought the sick. Notice Matthew 9, 2. Matthew 9, verse 2. Then behold, notice that they brought. Realize, say they brought. They brought, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be, good, uh, be a good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. But again, see, they brought, people were bringing the sick to him. Look at Matthew 9, 32. 9, 32. Matthew 9, 32. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man Mute and demon-possessed. And of course, you could read on and see the man was set free. But notice they brought. They brought. They brought. Notice Mark 1, verse 32. Mark 1, verse 32. At evening, when the sun had set, they... What'd they do? What'd they do? They what? They what? They brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And of course, a great healing, healing rally took place. You understand that? But, but the sick had to get there. How did they get there? Folks, believers, believers brought them. Look at Mark 7.32. Mark 7.32. Then they, what did they do again? They brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. Of course, Jesus did and the guy was healed. But again, they brought. See, that guy wouldn't have got delivered if they hadn't have brought. Mark 8, verse 22 Mark 8, verse 22, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought. Isn't that astounding? How, how many times they brought is in here? That's why I'm reading all these verses. I want you to see it. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. And of course, Jesus did. The man was healed. Now, you say, well, that's in the ministry of Jesus. Well, look at Acts, the fifth chapter. Look at Acts, the fifth chapter, and the fifteenth verse, if you would. Acts, the fifth chapter, and the fifteenth verse. Notice, with the apostles. So they, what did they do again? They what? They brought the sick. They brought the sick. Who's the they? The believers. People that believe. People who have already been healed, perhaps. And they went out and got others. And they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches. And at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. How many of you know God's still in the healing business? Now, I'm in no way putting myself in the same class with Jesus or in the same class with, with, with Peter, certainly not. But I am telling you, there's an anointing on this ministry to heal the sick. Yes. And the proof of the pudding is in the eating because we've, we've got multitudes of people, even documented with, with, from, from doctors, where people have been healed of all manner of sickness and disease in this ministry. Again, I can't heal anybody. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm helpless. You understand that? But the sick have to get here, and it's up to you to bring them, you see. And they brought the sick and so forth. Now notice verse 16. The multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing, there it is again, bringing, see that? Bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now, dear friends, I'm telling you, don't like to draw attention to myself. Again, I can't heal anybody, but I'm telling you there's a healing anointing on this ministry. You've seen it. And uh, it has laid dormant for many 
for many years now. And it's time for that to get stirred back up again. I said, it's time for that to get stirred back up again. But if you don't do what you're supposed to do, see, it's up to me to come with the power of God stirred up, right? It's up to you to go bring the sick and get them in here. You have a very important responsibility. God wants to use you to heal people. Now, of course, you say, well, you can pray for them out in the street. Certainly you can, and I I recommend that. But I'm just telling you, there is an anointing on this ministry to heal the sick. It's up to you to bring them in. And uh, get this this healing ministry and healing anointing that's laid dormant now for several years. Get it stirred back up. I'd like to see some healing rallies in here. Like we used to have. We used to have healing rallies in here. And when we'd have those healing rallies, I mean, there'd be people show up and folks would bring, believers would bring people in here, folks that I'd never seen before. And Jesus, I mean, he'd just start healing those people and the power of God start flowing and, and the anointing in operation. And I tell you what, those are some of the most fun times I've ever had in 25 years of pastoring this church is watching God heal, heal folk, you see. Praise God forevermore. Glory to God. I, I tell you, I get stirred up about it. That girl that had that big knot, you know, that big knot on her neck, that big knot, it's like a golf ball. And the Spirit of God said, slap the thing and curse it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And, and I did, and, and God, God healed her. Isn't that wonderful? That guy that was in here with fibromyalgia, and he was a smart man, but he had got so disoriented that uh, he couldn't even find his way home in the evening. He'd have to call his wife and get directions back to his house. And uh, the Spirit of God, he came, actually, he didn't even come up in the line. He was standing over, over, uh, over in here. He was standing right in here. And I went up to him and just, uh, don't try eyes on me. I can't heal anybody. But I just slapped him and said, be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that fibromyalgia left him instantly. Praise God forevermore. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? And then I'll tell you this too. That when God does start healing the people, if you, if, if, see, if you bring them, if you bring them, God will start healing them again. And when they get healed, you're going to have to be excited about it. I said, you're going to have to be excited about it. I said, you're going to have to be excited about it. If God's not esteemed, then he won't, he, he just won't move. He must be esteemed. I said, he must be esteemed, you see. Got to be esteemed. You understand what I said right there? He's got to be esteemed. So it's up to you. It's up to you, the direction we take. See, I can stand here and teach under this teaching anointing week in, week out, week in, week out. Uh, but there's more for us. And, and, and there's more that God wants us to do is what I mean by that. He, he doesn't want to just reach us here. He wants us to reach out and get more folk in here so we can bless them, you see. And then they can go out and get, and, and, and get more and, 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 and grow. And, and why do we want to grow? Because we want to bless people. Amen. Did you understand that? Do you understand that? Yes. So it's up to you. What are you going to have to do? Bring the, sick. bring the sick. Bring the sick in body, sick in mind. Get them in here. And uh, the power of God will set people free. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Now Diane has a point. Then I have one more and then, and then we're done. Okay. The next one is support missions. Support missions. You know, the lifeblood of any church is not to have church services. The church was not meant to, uh, our goal is not to have church services. It's to be the church. And one of the ways we can be the church is to support missionaries 
and missions. Summit has uh, supported missions and missionaries since the, since the very beginning and will continue to do so. It's so important to us. Let's turn to Mark uh, 16, verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Can you see all the points of the vision all kind of work together? Uh, It's that goal and the purpose of the church is to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And we can do, uh, in our community, we can reach the world. But there's also so many other places that need the gospel. So many other places that don't have the advantages that we do. Um, nothing like we have here in the United States. And, and we need to do our best to support them through prayer and through offerings. Uh, over the years, Summit Church has given monthly support to missionaries in Canada, Belize, Romania, Mexico, Costa Rica, Turkey, and Indonesia. And right now, uh, we support four families uh, we support the couple that's in Malaysia and India, and I can't say their name because they could get arrested and thrown out and kick, you know, put in prison and everything. We don't want to do that, but you all know who they are. <clears throat> the Therats in India, the Pickets in Iraq, and the Brazes in Asia and, and China. And all four of these families are in such dangerous and difficult places. Unbelievably, uh, like the Pickets, they had to get Kevlar stuff to put on the inside of their car so if, you know, if they got shot at, their kids wouldn't get killed. You know, and a lot of times we, you know, we think it's a big deal to show up on Wednesday night for Bible study, but these people (laughs) are doing stuff that we can't even imagine, and it it just, it it humbles me to see what they're doing, and it, it, it is such a blessing to be, to be a part of what they're doing. And I want you all to think, when you get to heaven, If you pray for missionaries and if you support them financially, there's going to be people that you're going to meet in heaven from all over the world that you have no idea who they are that are going to be able to thank you for bringing the gospel to them. So keep that in mind. And also, um, as you all know, we have a Heart's Desire Fund, and the goal of Heart's Desire is to bless women on the mission field. And we ask them, tell us what your heart's desire is for a special gift. And um, women are just blown over by this because a lot of times the male is is looked at, you know, well, we're going to give, we're going to, you know, see if he needs something, if he needs shoes or a suit or a watch or something. And the women are a lot of times on the mission field are kind of put on the back shelf, uh, especially if it's a single woman on the mission field. And they need to be encouraged because if, Well, there's a saying, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. (laughs) And so you want these women to be happy and feel loved and encouraged in their walk so that they can support their husbands in what God has called them to do. So that is so much on our heart. An example is um, Melinda Kohler. She, we helped her with the heart's desire gift. She lived in, she lives in Tanzania. She lives in a hut with a dirt floor and a thatched roof. And she has snakes all the time. Poisonous snakes, too. (laughs) 
And so uh, we went to, we blessed her. She finally got a concrete floor this year after many, many years of having a dirt floor, and she's gotten a refrigerator. But we were able to bless a woman like this. And if you come from the United States and you go and you live and, and you don't have a shower, you don't have a bathroom, you have a dirt floor, you need encouragement, right? <laughs> I would. Another person that we helped was Lada Therat in India. Um, she didn't have a refrigerator, never had a refrigerator. And we were able to give her a refrigerator, and that is a tremendous blessing. And she said it was the first gift anyone had ever given her. And she was in her late 60s by then. So we've helped with medical expenses, uh, funeral expenses. We've bought clothes, washers and dryers, heaters, air conditioners, household items, and all kinds of things just to encourage ladies and bless them. So in the history of Summit Church, we've blessed 52 individual ladies with Heart's Desire gifts, which is really awesome. Plus, we've helped Mercy Multiplied four times with Heart's Desire gifts. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs, Widows Fund, and the Wives of Pastors in Prison in Cambodia and South Korea and China and Indonesia. We've helped them several times, women whose husbands are in prison in, in those horrible countries. Uh, we've helped uh, the female students at Rama, India. We blessed them one year, all with a small gift when they started school. Uh, we've blessed wives of church leaders at a conference, pastor's conference in Vietnam and also in Colombia, South America. So a lot of awesome things, and we want to continue to bless these ladies. Our youngest Heart's Desire uh, recipient was a 13-year-old girl. Her name was Hannah Hall. Uh, she was on the way to church with her mother when the Joplin tornado hit. And her mother was killed, and she, was, she lost everything. She lost her mother. She lost everything that she owned was completely gone. And this was an exception. We helped somebody here in the United States because we just felt led to. And so we were able to bless this young girl who was on her way to church uh, to encourage her to stick with the Lord and stay with the Lord with some much-needed clothes. And our oldest, does anybody remember who that was? Lois Meyer. <laughs> she was our oldest Heart's Desire recipient, was 99 years old. <laughs> she was a retired missionary. She started as a missionary in her late 60s, and she would smuggle Bibles into China under her dress. So if you think it's to retire, time to retire from the work of the Lord, it is not. Anyway, um, she was 99. Her bed was very uncomfortable, and she couldn't sleep well at night. Don't you think somebody that served the Lord on the mission field deserves a comfortable bed? Well, that's what Heart's Desire was able to do for her. And we look forward to blessing a lot of ladies in the coming years just to encourage them and let them know that people love them, that God has their back. All right. Now I got the la very good. Now I got the last point for you. So what was the first one, just uh, by way of review? Be, am, be what? Ambassadors. Be ambassadors. What was the second point? Be worshipers. Be worshipers. What was the third point? Bring the sick. Bring the sick. What was the fourth point? Support missions. Support missions. is Good. And the last point is be strong. Be strong. How many want to be strong? Be strong. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, my brethren, be what? Be strong in the Lord and in the power 
of his might. Be strong. This community needs us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. People are dependent on us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice 2 Timothy 2.1. 2 Timothy 2.1 says, You therefore, my son, speaking Paul to Timothy, he says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We need not only be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, but we also need to be strong in grace. I want to be strong in the grace of God. How about you? We need to be strong in the Lord. We need to be strong in grace. We need to be strong in love. We need to be strong in good deeds. Remember, we're not saved by our good deeds, but our good deeds are evidence that we're saved. And we need to be good deed doers, you see. Strong in good deeds. And I think we have been. And Diane just read how we've given so much to missions. And, and that's, that's, that's a good deed. That's wonderful. We're not saved by that, but it's important that we do it. We need to be strong in prayer. We need to be strong in prayer. Remember, prayer is the engine that drives the church. And we need to be strong in prayer. We need to be strong in health, spirit, soul, and body. We need to be strong in relationships and family. We need to be strong in finances. It's important to be strong in finances. And, and this church has always been strong in finances. But, but uh, let's stay that way and, and improve on it. What do you say? So we can not only have the needs met here, but more importantly, be a blessing out beyond the four walls of this church. We need to be strong in church attendance and in church activity and church service and being volunteers. We need to be strong in all these areas. Can you say amen to that? And then in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, notice what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, watch. We need to be watching. Strong in our watchfulness. It also has an implication of prayerfulness. Strong in prayerfulness. But we need to be strong in our watchfulness because the Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. How many of you know the Lord's coming back? And we need to be watching for him. We need to be, be anticipating his return. We need to be strong in our watchfulness. And notice the Bible says, stand fast in the faith. We need to be strong in faith. Remember, without faith, you can't please God. It's impossible to please him without faith. That's one reason I'm teaching a faith series on Sunday mornings here, because we need to be strong in, in faith. We need to be brave. Brave. This community needs us to be brave. I'm telling you, some of the things that, that's, that, that could well be coming on the land as we move forward, there's got to be churches that are strong in the Lord, that are strong in grace, that are strong in love and good deeds and prayer and so forth, and, and strong in faith and just brave. We need to be brave. Can you say amen to that? We need to be brave. And be able to stand and look the devil in the eye and say in the name of the Lord Jesus, get behind me and get back under my feet where Jesus put you, you see. Is that right? Yes. Need to be brave. Strong in bravery. And finally he says what? He says be strong. We need to be strong. And we are strong. But I want to get stronger. How about you? 
What are those five points again? Let's see if you got them. What's the first one? Be what? That's a good one, isn't it? Be what? That's a good one. Bring the support and be what? Be strong. Now I'm going to close. I didn't know I was going to do this, but I'm going to close with this. I think it's a good thing to close with, to let you know the real heart of, of, of what I'm all about, what this church is all about. Uh, I need somebody. Let me call on somebody. I'm going to call on Gary Turney. Go out there and get me a glazed donut, would you? Go out there and get me a glazed donut, would you? Just bring me one in, as quick as you can go. You need to hear this, and we'll close. It's been a good 25 years, hasn't it? I believe God wants to do more in the next five years than He's done in the last 25 years, but we're all going to have to get a hold of this vision and do these five points, okay? It won't happen just by accident. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you. So... Usually, Dale goes over and gets the donuts, but he wasn't able to do that today, so guess who went over to get the donuts? I went and got the donuts. I did. And you know what? There was three or four people in front of me that were waiting, and the guy gave them a free donut, and we bought a whole lot more donuts than these other people, and I didn't get a free donut. I don't understand that, but I didn't say anything. That's fine. But to let you know something about me and, and this church and what, what, we, what we stand for, and this is, I think, important. I wasn't going to do this, but the Spirit of God, I believe, wants, wants me to close with this. How many of you like these? I mean, I do. They're good. And are we serving donuts here in just a few moments? We're going to. There's eight dozen of them out there. So, But you can't get to them until you let me finish. <laughs> Some years ago, I had observed just as in prayer and whatnot, and just as you listen and hear things, and seemingly a turn in this nation over the last many years, where Sunday's no different than Saturdays. That's sad, isn't it? How many of you know Sunday's the Lord's day? Things ought to be closed down and in honor. Is that right? And that's, my, that's what I believe. And, but I watched and I watched as I'd observe. Remember, I have a hat with an O on it. It means observer. I don't have a hat with a J in, on it, judgmental. I don't want to be judgmental. I have a hat with an O on it. And I observed and I was watching that. And I saw churches trying to draw people in with coffee and donuts. And, and even some in St. Louis were drawing them in with beer. How many of you know you ought to be serving beer in your church? I didn't get a big amen on that. But but I watched this some years ago. and Now, am I against donuts? No. Who went and got them this morning? But I put on the sign. I felt that the direction of the Spirit of God, that sign out there, it's the only sign that we ever put up, only message we ever put up that got vandalized. Somebody vandalized it. They didn't like what I put up there. And I put this up 
and think about it. It's, it's, it's really interesting. This will give you some insight into me. We are here. We serve Jesus, not donuts. We serve Jesus, not donuts. We serve Jesus, not donuts. In other words, I serve this Bible to you on Sunday morning, not donuts. Now, occasionally we have donuts. I'm not against them. We're having them today. But I'm not going to, if I have to use this to draw you in, and we're here about coffee and donuts, and that's not why we're here. That's not why God's assigned me here. He's assigned me here to serve you this. We, I serve, I'm a spiritual dietitian. I serve you this, not this. You understand? Week in, week out, week in, week out. And let me ask you a question. Which would you rather bow your knee to? This? Would you rather bow your knee to this and serve this? Or you want to bow your knee to that? I'm going to pick the Bible. So I'm not an old fuddy-duddy. I'm not against donuts. I'm not against... I'm, 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 we're having them here in a few, eight dozen of them out there. But this church is not... And I'm, listen, I'm for fellowship. I'm about fellowship. Read the book of Acts. Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. The, they, the believers got together in fellowship and they fellowshiped around food. I understand that. that, that that's all good. All I'm trying to say is around here... The Bible is always going to outweigh the donuts. That's all I have to say. And I'll eat that donut in just a little bit. Did you get anything out of this? Did that donut example let you see my heart a little bit? Not against fellowship. I love it. But it's just, we. this has got to be, you know... It's like years ago and we had fantasy football and the guys were all excited about fantasy football and I said, look guys, I said, you know, okay, fantasy football, but it's got to stay in the background. I don't want people coming here mainly for fantasy football. Can you say amen? amen. And a lot of those guys got mad at me and left, but, but this place is about Jesus. We can have these other things, but they're not, they're not going to take the pre- predominance it's got to be Jesus. And I told those guys, I said, look, you can do this stuff, but it's got to be in the background. It's not the main reason you can. They got mad at me and left. Well, I still stand by that. Remember, and that's when the Rams were on their run to the Super Bowl, and I saw the city of St. Louis more excited about the Rams than Jesus, and the Spirit of God said to me, he said, tell the people a lamb died on Calvary, not a ram." And I thought I was going to get, I thought I was going to get, get taken down to the brow of the hill and beat up. I'm all for sports and all, I love it. I love all that stuff. I enjoy it. But Jesus has to be more important. That's what I'm all about. Let's have all these other things, but let's keep Jesus. The, what is it? We, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And around this church, Jesus is the main one. Stand with me if you would. Bow your heads, please.
Went a little longer than I anticipated today, but that's all right. I trust we got our point across to you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never repented of your sins and invited Him into your heart, you need to do that before you leave. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. The only way to miss hell and make heaven is to repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart, receive Him, make Him the Lord of your life. Serve Him. There's some people who will be standing up here in the front. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to ask you before you go back to the donuts, come up here for the most important thing and accept Jesus. He'll save you from hell and He'll make, he'll make your life worth living here on the earth. If you need to do that, you do that when we dismiss. If you need prayer for some other thing, you can come up here and these nice folk will pray for you. Father, I pray for the people that they'll catch a hold of this vision. And these five simple points that we've shared with them, I trust that they will be burned upon their hearts and that all of us working together will do these five simple things. And this church in the next five years as a result can accomplish more than it has in the last 25 years. Now, we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise for all that has been done and all that you are doing and all that you will do. In Jesus' name, that name that's above all names, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Well, hey, there's some donuts out there. Let's go have some fellowship time. You're dismissed.